Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, where we explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in the light of Sola Scriptura and Toto Scriptura. I'm Cody Fields, the president of the Noseminster family of guitar effects, and you can check us out and buy your guitar gear at westminstereffects.com, and make sure you join the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. I know that's a long title, just type in Westminster Effects in the search and you'll find it. Uh, Lutheran John is not joining us today, but I am joined in person as usual. Bradley Cox, pastor of Resurrection Church in Greer, MVP of National Preaching League, and yes. Oh, it was going so well. Uh, it was just, going so well. I, I forget the other one. We had another <laughs> one last time and I forgot it. it well, th- this might have set the record for the longest it took before you just went off the rails. Yeah, I just... <laughs> just don't have superlatives i mean i don't know anyway yeah. it's just me i'm here yeah. uh we're gonna skip you have a call coming up yeah right yeah so we're going to skip church this week but you were in james 2 talking about partiality mm-hmm. and stuff like that so go look that up on resfaith.com or facebook.com slash resfaith if you want to hear that sermon or any of, any of, sermons, of yeah. one Pastor Bradley Cox's sermons, uh, MVP of the National Preaching League. Uh, Interestingly, though, I would say this week I'm I'm in the end of James two, which mm-hmm. faith and works and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And I I think I saw in the lounge a question about James and Paul and uh, I I seem to remember that being in there pretty recently. Yeah. Well, whoever it was asked that question. Um, I if if you want to check out the message that will come out this Sunday. I'm in. I'm living in that part of James, and then back in our series in Romans, in Romans chapter four, I think I titled the sermon uh, "Abraham Exhibit A." Yep. Um, I also deal with the tension between Paul and James. Mm-hmm. So I remember that one. Yeah. Whoever whoever asked that question, you could check those out. Yeah. So uh, main topic today is we're starting to kind of gather steam on meeting as a church again. Mm-hmm. We haven't announced a date. We've we've discussed dates behind closed doors that mm-hmm. we won't divulge mm-hmm. right now just in case something blows up. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot to, there's a ton to consider with this, right? So much. Um, whether it's, you know, how distant should we keep people? Should we keep open certain rows? Should it even be indoors? Uh, should we have uh, kids stuff going on, et cetera, et cetera? Um, so how do we kind of process all of these questions, uh, where it's, it's really interesting because as far as I'm aware, we don't have any epidemiologists (laughs) at our church. So we're, we're basically just doing the best we can. Yeah. I, you know, there's so much debate over this virus. We were talking about that before you started recording. Um, People are all over the map in terms of how seriously they're taking Mm -hmm. this. And I honestly, I get that. I mean, I, 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 I generally in these kinds of situations where there's, you know, extremes on either side, try to hit the middle. Yeah. Uh, But one thing I've taken note of is that all the medical professionals that I know have taken this virus very seriously. Right. And its effects, particularly on the vulnerable with pre-existing conditions. So, 
as a church, we've tried to go at it that way. We're going we're gonna to take it seriously, and we're going to encourage all of our people to take it seriously, mm-hmm. regardless of their personal feelings about it. Right. So that being said, I think we, we've really looked for our guidance to come from the CDC and, and the medical professionals as to what we should, what are the kinds of things that we should be thinking about when we gather. And there's just so much. I mean, and, and every context is different. Our, yeah. our sanctuary is pretty, we're, we're a pretty small church, you know, compared to like Christ Lincoln, which is yeah. like two or 3,000 people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're two or 300 people. Right. And we have a small sanctuary. Our seating's very close together. Yeah. And like so our, our rows are like, it's actually kind of tough to get in, yeah. to a seat that's past someone. That's right. And, and generally speaking, our sanctuary is pretty full mm-hmm. uh, when we're, we're doing one service uh, on the norm. Um, so we went into the sanctuary and we started to you know, think about, okay, what would be wise for us? Mm-hmm. How could we keep social distancing? And we roped off every other row. We yep. we widened the aisles, which required taking out some chairs. Oh, and I bet Keith was pretty mad about that. <laughs> well, you know, it's <laughs> it's definitely labor intensive when you know our our room is so full of chairs. You've got to get them in the right spot. Yeah. But nevertheless, we took out. We have normally about. 270 seats or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, it quickly whittled down to 108 seats. Oh, wow. 108 seats in the sanctuary when we think about, okay, three seats minimum between parties or families mm-hmm. on a given row, and then roping off every other row to create mm-hmm. distance front to back, we were down to 108 seats. And along with that, we did a survey this week, which had... Four, four, five, six questions on it, basically just to find out, all right, if we have church, are you coming? Right. And just from the responses we got from the survey, um, which not everybody fills out a survey. Right. right. And, and there are going to be some people who say, yeah, I'm totally coming, and then you don't see them for Then you months. don't see yeah. them, and then there'll be people that say, I'm not coming, and they'll show up. Yeah. But just based on the survey results, we would have to do three services mm-hmm. and be pretty spread out, and that began to feel a little bit like a letdown and a bit awkward to us. Yeah. So we're actually considering doing church outside mm-hmm. um, for perhaps a month as sort of a phase one opening. Right. Um, we have a great space on our property to do that. Yeah, and we do. And it would be really visible from the road too, which visible from the road people to come check it out. Possibly. That's right. Visible from the road. It's open air. So people aren't breathing recycled air. Mm-hmm. We can spread people out, and we can all be together at the same time. Right. Um, and so, if, if we're going to continue to maintain an online presence, um, you know, for the foreseeable future, just because there are people that don't feel comfortable coming yet that want to stay connected, so we're going to continue to do that and and meet outside. And for us, that seems to be the next logical step. And um, it it you know it minimizes some of the other efforts that I think you have to make if you do it indoors, you know, things like sanitation, right. Uh, seating people, ushering mm-hmm. them in and out. So the, 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 the seating and the exiting is organized uh, and sanitizing touch points and bathrooms. And then even thinking about singing, yeah. you know, we, we, you had read an article about, you know, just the, the potential spread from singing versus coughing and sneezing and, you know, there might be varied opinions on that, but regardless, when we come together, we want to be able to sing. 
Right. And we don't want to have to worry about, you know, spreading the virus because of singing. So that's where we are with it. I, I just think people are going to have to be, this is what's really become clear to me. People are going to have to be re-educated and they're almost going to have to re-up on their expectations and commitment to what it means to gather and worship with the church. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not going to be, it, at least for a while, it's not going to be just sort of willy-nilly, I'll show up five minutes after it starts, right. five minutes before it starts. Because <laughs> everybody's going to hear your car door shut. <laughs> right. C- c- come in and, and sit wherever I want, and, 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 and it's it just so easy. And like, we're going to yeah. have to be more thoughtful, I think, and more prepared to gather and worship because I don't know. I don't know when things will go back to normal and how normal they'll go back to. Yeah. But I think for at least a while... We're going to have to be much more intentional about gathering. Right. And that's, I think that's going to be one of the biggest benefits to this whole situation. I is, hope so. Is at least as far as I see from our people and from some of my Facebook friends and people in the podcast lounge is, mm-hmm. is like, dang it, we want to get back to church. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and thankfully, we're in an area that really hasn't been hit all that hard. Yeah. It's it's really kind of been almost not totally, but almost a non-issue here, right? Mm-hmm. At mm-hmm. least as far as I know. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I don't know anybody in our church. I, I know people that know people, but right. I, nobody in our church has gotten the virus. Um, and, and I know and I know like I have family who have tested positive for antibodies. But they weren't they weren't laid out in the hospital or ventilators or anything like that. But some people have, and and I think that's why we should take it seriously. Um, you know, another hope that I have, is, or or I guess I don't know if you have felt this at all, but as I've begun to think about gathering again, I find that I'm so much more focused on on people, mm-hmm. and so much less focused on the performance elements. Yeah, absolutely. The yeah, production definitely. elements. Like I. I I really, and I'm I'm thankful for this. I I am so much less concerned about mm-hmm. having everything right and yep. flow and it being programmed and, and and not that I was ever overly focused on those things to yep. begin with. But I I I mean I feel even less, you know I don't know less focus, less of a prioritization of those things, and more of a focus on. Man, I get to be with the people of God. Yeah, we get to sing together. The people, the Word, and sacrament. That's right. Yeah. If we, if all we have is an acoustic guitar, man, we can worship. You know, if yep. if, if we have to do it outside and and everybody's in lawn chairs with tailgate tents and and you know it's a little hot. I mean, still we get to do this, and it's yeah, it's not so much about the convenience anymore. And, and at the same time, uh, at least for the spring, we've. Like they're forecasting lower than normal temperatures, yep. which we've experienced this May. Yeah, we have. Uh, which is, you know, if if that carries over into June, could be fantastic. That that might actually be really nice. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like you even said uh, in church toward the end of a service one time, uh, and this was in the last 
I think month before things shut down when you're like, man, I'm just over trying to get people jacked up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, yeah, it was something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. Uh, try, you're just over yeah. trying to rile people up. Yeah, uh, but at the same time, it's like we're excited about what God is doing. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing, I don't know if I've talked to you about this. I've told Keith because he called me out on it on a mission trip a couple years ago, which uh, for those of you who are familiar with our church, like Keith is known as the pastor who is blunt. Yes, <laughs> very much so. And um, I, I don't even, like I said something and I didn't even think anything of it. And he just looked at me. He's like, man, you're cynical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, <laughs> well, all right. <laughs> but I feel myself becoming less cynical. Like yeah. I actually want to be around people and I'm not used to that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. working from home and all that. Like I could, I could legitimately uh, not leave my house for several days in a row if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so with uh, with what's going on right now, I've had to leave my house for helping to record music stuff, and then obviously for the podcast. But other than that, I have not been obligated to leave my house. Yep. And I'm like, I want to get out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny, isn't it, that you know, convenience and comfort and ease does not serve our passion well. Right. When we, when we you know, we, we so easily can become complacent about things we should be very passionate and devoted to when those things are easily accessible to us. But when, it's like, you know, you know this, you've been married long enough. You, mm-hmm. When you're with your wife every day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you tend to, you tend towards not appreciating her nearly as much as you should. I'm just not going to comment because she listens. Right, exactly. (laughs) But when you go away to Nam for a week. Yeah. Man, how awesome is it to come home because that, the absence really does make the heart grow fonder. And I think having to hit pause on our worship gatherings I think for a lot of people, it's really heightened our appreciation and excitement about it, which is good. And I hope, I pray that we're able to foster that and fuel that all the more when we do gather and not quickly slide back into a sort of a complacent approach Mm -hmm. to worshiping together and praying together, opening the word together, sharing in the sacrament together. That's that's something that we we all miss, and and my hope is we'll continue to appreciate it like we should. Yeah, and I think I think this is going to be, and this is just my opinion. I think this is going to be a lasting change too. Where there have been a lot of memes going around of, uh, Grandpa, why does Grandma sanitize everything from the grocery store? It's like, well, in twenty twenty, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, um, and obviously, like trying. It's it's drawing that parallel with the Great Depression. Obviously, this isn't going to go as long as the Great Depression, uh, but the upheaval in in our daily routines, at least in terms of the stark contrast, is pretty similar to that. I would Very, think. Oh, it's got uh, obvi- obviously we weren't around back then. Um, we're not quite that old, <laughs> but I think I but, think the, but the parallel is valid. Well, what we can point to is something like nine eleven. I mean, you you take your kids yeah. to the airport and they're made to take off their shoes, and they say, "Dad, why do I have to take off my shoes before I get into an yeah. airplane? Why do yeah. I have to, um, you know, go through all this security?" Well, 
you know, son, daughter, there was a, uh, an event that happened in September the 11th, 2001. I think we're going to, we're going to be saying the same thing about this. Mm-hmm. And, um, the interesting thing for me is going to be as things start to reopen at, at least in parts of the country is how does the virus trend? Yeah. And then what, what does that mean for long-term gathering for churches Sporting events, schools, yep. certain businesses, what have you, and, and what does that do to the economy? How does that change our lifestyle long term? That those are going to be the things that I don't think we really know. How right, it's going to all shake out yet. Yeah, there's there's a lot of there's so many variables because I look at uh, Florida and Georgia, which have done the most reopening in the most populated states, mm-hmm. if if we could phrase it that way. And at the moment, they're still seeing declines in their infections mm-hmm. in their infection rates mm-hmm. uh now that could spike or what have you uh but it's one of those things where we just kind of have to keep an eye on it right mm-hmm. i think so um, with within this discussion let's go ahead and address one of our inquisition questions uh as is tradition brian morris <laughs> wrote in i love brian oh yeah so um any thoughts on the 500 plus pastors in California who have announced uh, they are going to begin gathering come May 31st, whether the governor approves of it or not, uh, where California has, so to kind of set this up for people who haven't followed other states, if you will, uh, California has been much more restrictive. Los Angeles is actually talking about extending a total lockdown through July, um, which just, that just my mind melts thinking about that that amount of time. Um, and so there are some pushing back on when governments say specifically to churches, no, you can't gather even though we can still go to Walmart or things like that. Hmm. So um, thankfully, we haven't had to deal with that here in South Carolina. Man. Like that, that would put you in a much more difficult position than we're in right now. I don't know what I'd do, Brian. I mean, I... I really am thankful that I'm not having to wrestle with that question. I called our governor's office in South Carolina about a week and a half ago, and I I just asked them point blank. I said, you know, we're considering gathering at some point in the next few weeks. Um, I don't want to break any laws. I don't want to disobey the governor's orders. Mm-hmm. What? Tell me what what I need to be aware. Of. I just mm-hmm. wanted to hear it from them and and. Talked to a really nice lady who was very kind and said, you're good. Um, yeah. We're not restricting that. Just be smart. Be wise. Uh, try to maintain as much distance as you can. Yep. But you're good to go. And and I'm thankful for that, man. I'm yeah. thankful for that. I think yeah. we still have to be wise. Right. And, but, we, and we still don't need, uh, according to God, we don't need the government's permission. But at the same time, if we can help it, we'd rather not make enemies if... We'd rather if, not. If we can help it. But I think there does come a point. It's not apples to apples. It's not on the same basis. But I think I think businesses are going to wrestle with this too. Is that yeah. At what point do we just say, all right, we're opening for business. We can't take yeah. this anymore. Um, and I, that's a tough call, man. And I, I, I sympathize with those churches. Um, I think I would be very cautious and... Um, I wouldn't jump the gun yeah. with that, yeah, yeah. but I think that 
I could almost imagine us having the same kind of conversation here mm-hmm. where if this was dragging on into July, we'd be going, all right, yeah. what are we going to do? Yeah. Um, um, I, I wrote a blog about some of this kind of stuff. I don't know if you saw it, uh, where, where I made the case that uh, a lot of what our governor was doing was actually illegal uh, by South Carolina state laws, where he kind of unilaterally extended some stay-at-home orders um, and, and you're actually seeing, uh, I think it was just yesterday as we're recording, we're recording on, what is this, May Thursday. the 14th. Yep. Yeah, and uh, I think it was yesterday where uh, uh, the Supreme Court of Wisconsin struck down their extended stay-at-home order. Mm. So you're going to see, I think, more of these things happen, mm-hmm. um, which hopefully would free up uh, churches and pastors to make those decisions, one, with a clean conscience, mm-hmm. Uh, and two, uh, without having to even have that fight, mm-hmm. which that you've you've even talked about. Um, one of the big things that we want the government to do is basically leave us alone, <laughs> right? So we can right. so we can carry on our lives quietly, right? So yeah, I mean, I think that you know those churches, I, I hope, are being sensitive to you know at least say to their people that are at risk or maybe aren't comfortable. Yeah. You know, we're still going to provide yep. you with a way to worship at home, but um, that, I don't know. That's, that's a tough call. Yeah. And, and that, that is one thing too, is, is we're going to be vigilant with our people who are more vulnerable. Absolutely. Uh, with, with our older people, we have a decent amount of older people. Yeah. Which, which we're thankful for. Absolutely. Because that's how life works. Absolutely. <laughs> we don't, we don't want a bunch of, 35 year olds and under yep. well you'd, you'd be excluded and I'd be excluded in two years <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say I'm getting closer to older people yeah <laughs> about the minute it's coming quick yep yep um, yeah anyway uh, you've lost all your hair and I'm going gray pretty quick so I've lost all my hair and the hair on my face is almost completely gray now so yeah yeah no there's yeah. there's no shame we're, no shame. we're not angry about that <laughs> well, you are getting a good uh, bit of gray oh, it's it's yeah. going yeah That's it's good. it's i think it's more visible to people who knew me when i used to dye my hair black uh-huh yeah because <laughs> it's such a stark contrast from yeah. back then yeah. uh, but anyway but yeah like we're we're going to be vigilant and there there might even be a couple of people that we might tell like, Hey, we love you, but you need to stay home. Yeah. You know, I've got one in mind that I need to talk to her and tell her to, you need to stay home. Yeah. Um, cause I, I don't want, I don't want her to come to church and, and contract the virus and die because of that. I mean, yeah. You know, she's in her eighties or she just turned 80 and she is, uh, she's feisty. Um, <laughs> But you know, and there's part of me that's like, you know what? It, it, it's, there's an old Southern country phrase like "die with your boots on." Uh, yep. It, it, it. There's part of me that doesn't want to rob her of that right if that's what she wants to do. It's like, I, right? Know, I'm 80 years old, and if I get a virus and die from going to church, so be it. Yeah. You know, there are worse ways to go than death by church. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. That's right. So, uh, well, shall we move on to our uh, truncated inquisition then? Yes. Cool.
All right, so this is the Inquisition where we take listener questions which are submitted every week on a thread in the Doxology Podcast Lounge. We will lead off with Scott Hamilton. Will baseball, and I added, or sports in general, without crowds be worth watching? Yes. Yes. Very yes. Um, Very much yes. So my, I was talking to my sister yesterday, and they have a a three-year-old and a one-year-old and the one-year-old has been waking up at like four in the morning the last week. Mm. And I was like, man, that sucks. And she's like, yeah, but Korean baseball is on. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. She's like, so we've been watching Korean baseball while trying to get her back to sleep (laughs) and take care of her. Uh, I'm all about it, man. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready for, I mean, it's really been like, Somewhat uh, withdrawal symptoms. I know. Not have sports, not have baseball, Ugh. no professional golf, no N- NBA N- playoffs. NBA playoffs will be going right now. And I'm, I'm actually interested in watching the NBA right now because, and we've talked about it two weeks in a row because of the, uh, the last dance documentary going on. Oh, so, like, man, I want to watch so this again. Good. The, this last two yeah. episodes were yeah. amazing. Yeah, they were. Really good. I got I got a meme to show you with one of those. Okay. By the way, was, my <laughs> wife actually found it. <laughs> it's pretty good. That's good. Um. So yeah, absolutely worth it. Um. I think I was actually thinking about this today. Uh. After Scott submitted this this question, and I've I've actually been in a uh, an MLB twenty the show custom league with some other coaches in the area. Okay. And and by the way, I threw a perfect game on a coach from Riverside the other night. So nice. I'm I'm a little proud of myself for that. Um, <laughs> but you know, even just getting that competitiveness out, even though it's digital, I actually think the competitive nature is part of the Imago Day. In that. Uh, God, you look at scripture, God is really competitive. And now, obviously, we can take it too far, but God is like, hey, show me your other gods. Oh, yeah, they don't exist. I'm the only God, and I'm awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, th- I think that's part of the image of God written on us. I could be wrong. I, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't disagree with that. I, I heard a story recently about a missionary that uh, I don't know exactly where he was, some remote... Um, mm-hmm. tribal kind of region or whatever. Yeah. And his modus operandi for evangelism was he would go to a village or a tribe, um, I'm assuming learning a language or having a translator of some sort to communicate, and he would ask this tribe where, where the biggest God is. Yeah. And the usually the tribal leaders would point to a very large tree or stone mm-hmm. somewhere in, in their village that that was the place where the... Just kind of like basic run-of-the-mill animism that's type exactly of stuff. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's where the biggest, strongest God lived. And yep. he said he would go to that spot and start to preach Christ. Mm. And inevitably, there would be either demonic manifestations yeah. or people would just be in awe of the fact that he would be preaching there and the God yeah. would do nothing and then Christ would be made known and they would come to Christ. So I don't disagree with that. I, yeah. mean, I think yeah. I think uh, God, he certainly showed Pharaoh 
who yeah. the boss was, right? You think about Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Like you even get, you even have a scriptural warrant for trash talking. Trash talking, that's right. That's <laughs> Maybe right. your God's dro- dropping a deuce right now. <laughs> <laughs> you love it. I love it. Okay, next question. That makes me feel better about my competitive nature. Th- yeah, you're welcome for that. <laughs> Man, yeah, but I mean, I'm encouraged. I mean, we we both we both yell at ourselves. Oh man, when we're doing any kind of sports, but you definitely yell more at yourself than I do at myself. My kids are making fun of me right now. Though, okay. though in fairness, I yell more at referees, and you tell me to shut up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I try not to yell at referees, but my kids are making fun of me right now because I'm 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 into tennis. Yeah, and so I play with some friends at a local court that's at a. Um, a county park mm-hmm. and so a lot of times when I go play I'll take my kids with me and they'll ride their bikes mm-hmm. and they'll roam around in the woods and, and, and you're yelling at yourself and they're the making time. fun of me because they're like daddy we were all the way over the playground and we heard you yelling come on what's wrong with you oh <laughs> uh, yep yep I've heard that many times yep yep uh, so next question, Dustin Beeman, he says, what is the best seminary and why is it Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, which would be in Louisville, Kentucky, where Albert Moeller is the president. But I think, uh, that could be a good segue into what are some, uh, some not qualifications, but maybe characteristics of a good seminary if someone is looking to go into the ministry. Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I mean, I'm not going to argue. Southern's a good seminary, just objectively. Personal opinion? Yeah. I think seminary, a good seminary would be one that includes um, ample training, education, and lab Mm -hmm. in not only learning how to teach scripture yep but how to read and understand it um rightly i think i think a lot of times like my my experience in college and and seminary level classes and stuff it would be you know there's a lot of emphasis placed on you know theological principles theological debates camps Mm -hmm. and 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 various arguments with scriptural support yep uh for those things but i don't feel like there was enough emphasis in my education on just learning to read the Bible well. Yeah. Uh, learning yeah. to interpret Scripture well, and then learning how to help others mm-hmm. read and interpret Scripture well. What are the principles that we're using to for, that just encourage... I mean, you'd be surprised. Maybe you wouldn't, but I, I have been surprised over the years at the, the number of pastors that just really... They teach the Bible... And they've maybe learned how to put sermons together, but they don't really read scripture well. Yeah, they don't. They don't have a good hermeneutic. They don't at, at all. And I, I just think there needs to be like huge emphasis on that. I mean, yeah, you know, learning church methodology and strategy and all those things are, are good. But to me, they're subpoints into the mm-hmm. main thing, which yeah. is if we're going to be if you're going to be a local church pastor, mm-hmm. if that's if that's why you're going to seminary, yep then you need to learn how to read Scripture well, how to interpret Scripture well, how to teach it well, and then help others learn how to yep. read and interpret it well. Yep. That's, that is of primary importance to me. When I was at uh, North Greenville, and obviously that was 
for undergrad and I and I just got a journalism degree. I didn't even go for the their Christian studies major, but all the Christian studies majors I knew had a horrid time that first semester because the you had to take hermeneutics and they just lit you up and that was their weeding out class mm-hmm. for that major. Whereas if, if you can't handle basic interpretation of scripture, mm-hmm. then you shouldn't major in this. <laughs> yeah. And, and let's be clear. I, I don't think that, I, I think original language is, is an important piece. Yeah. But I, I, I feel like the modern translations that are, you know, word for word mm-hmm. translations, ESV, NASB, New King James, King James, the, those, those translations, I think we can read with confidence that they are really, really close to the original. Right. Intent. Oh, yeah. And therefore, we, we, we can simply learn how to read those translations well in English. Right. But that doesn't mean it doesn't require work and thought because the Bible has different mm-hmm. types of literature in it. Yep. Um, and you have three main ty- types, poetic, instructional, and narrative. And I think learning how to recognize the different types of literature mm-hmm. and interpret them rightly based on the type of literature right. is huge. Right. And, a, lot, and, a, lot of the, a lot of the false doctrines that we see, uh, false teachings, and... They and, don't recognize those differences. They, well, a lot of it comes out of preaching narratives wrongly. Yeah. Allegorizing narratives, in yep. my opinion, is probably one of the, uh, the biggest culprits of bad doctrine. Yeah. I, I won't bring up the name for now, but uh, there is a very popular preacher who the last couple of Easter's he has allegorized the resurrection to what dead dream is God about to bring back to life for you or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, yeah, um, I would add, even though I've never been to seminary, uh, some kind of church history course. A- yeah. Amen. So we can, so you can track, you know, the, you know, like the Gnostic controversies, the Donatist controversy, uh, the, even, even the, what seems really trivial, the quarter decimate controversy, which was, uh, a debate over when, when we should celebrate Easter mm. where, you know, and that's, that was the first East West mm. split, yep. uh, which is, which is actually pretty interesting once you dig down into it. Mm. <clears throat> You kind of see that, see a lack of knowledge of church history playing out right now with um, the the squabble between Ken Wilson and James White, where Ken Wilson is trying to make the case that Augustine was really just parroting what the Manichaean Gnostics said mm. since he was in that cult. Mm. And James White is taking his footnotes tracing the references and being like, no, that's not what he said at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. It, and it basically comes down to Wilson is trying to project his straw man onto church history. Hmm. So it's it's bad scholarship and it's a straw man. <laughs> yeah. So when you have both of those put together, it just turns into a mess. You know, if I had to do my education over with again in my early 20s, mm-hmm. I, I think I would want like looking back now with 20 plus years of local church experience, mm-hmm. I would want to come out of seminary with some pretty good clarity um, about a reading scripture. Yep. Uh, soteriology. 
Yep. Like I think that needs to be clear. Like you, like mm-hmm. I, know, I know there are different directions to go there, but I think you need to be clear about that. Right. Um, yeah, because you did have that shift afterwards. Totally. Yeah. Totally had that shift afterwards. Um, church history, I agree with that, mm-hmm. and ecclesiology. Yes. Yes. Like, that, we we just don't think about church structure. That, no, we don't because. That that's one thing. Even you know whether you disagree with him or not. What Mark Dever's doing with nine marks, mm-hmm. where he's challenging the assumptions over even you know multi-campus, which I think is a lot easier to disagree with, and even having multiple services at one location, he'll he'll even push back on that, mm. uh, saying like, no, you have you functionally have two churches <laughs> when you do that, and and whether you agree with him or not, and it's one of those where I. Maybe I don't know. It's kind of one of those where I could go either way, um, but it's it at least makes you think about it. I, and I think those things are not often thought through right enough. And I think they have huge implications. I they mean, do. When when you start, and, and I think we're almost now. Like I had a conversation with another church, yeah, just yesterday or day before, um, where thinking about gathering again and trying to maintain social distancing and whatever square footage you have yeah could make you think about your ecclesiology at, at least in terms of yeah are we going to welcome guests ooh is that yeah. something is yeah. that is that the greater priority right and i think you could very easily find a lot of people that would just push back on that and go why are you even asking that question yeah i mean you look at early church history and they actually did uh once they started doing communion the people who weren't converted left yeah. like they stood outside while while the church took part in and it, I'm not I'm not here advocating for one way or the other. I'm just saying yeah. that, that that's just a discussion. Some you could find yourself in contexts where your ecclesiology better better have some roots to it. Yeah. Otherwise, you're not even going to be able to think well through the kinds of crises that we find ourselves in yeah. right now. Yeah. And I know I know my dad's podcast, All Seven Days, where you appear about once a month. Mm-hmm. Um, they've they've made the case, you know, a lot of people, you know, you're going to have a lot of people in your church get uh, way more into it because we miss it. You're also going to have some people who were on the fringes and then they realize that they miss it and then they actually get really involved. You're also going to have people on the fringes who probably never come back, where yep. they fall away, where they haven't yep. thought very well about That's this. Right. Um, last question. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Morris as is tradition. <laughs> that's that's just going to be his superlative from go. now on. Should I start a podcast and is it worth it? Uh well, we started one. <laughs> we had we had even talked about starting a podcast before and we just never made it happen. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, well, how about we do this with with this whole pedal building business? Mm-hmm. Like, who builds pedals and has a theology podcast? <laughs> like, who thinks that's a good idea? Yeah. But it's one of those things where if you think you you have something worthwhile to listen to, mm-hmm. then why not? <laughs> you know, just be. Uh, I would be transparent enough with it. I'm kind of at an advantage because one of my pastors does this with me <laughs> and can't yeah. on the spot tell me that I'm going too far with something. <laughs> and every now and then gives me funny looks telling me that I'm going too far with something, even if you don't hear it out there. Um, I think being transparent and, 
you know, even throwing episodes your pastor's way yeah. uh, would be helpful, uh, making sure that you don't go off into left field or, or uh, be too blunt about some things because it's really easy to talk into a microphone and say whatever you want because you can't see the people on the other side. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I agree with that. I, I, I mean, if Brian, if you want to start a podcast, I mean, my first, if you came to me, my first question would be why? Yeah. Like what, I mean, yes, I think the question sounds like you're asking that because there's there's so many podcasts out there. Yep. Is it worth it? Well, it might be. I mean, it might be if 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 there's a, like I love the premise behind your dad's podcast. Yeah. Is that, look, we're just two guys in a local church that are willing to have convers- biblical conversations yep. about everyday issues <clears throat> and questions that people have. I think that's great. And I think- yep. Um, at least the last time I heard about his listenership, there are people that are really benefiting from that. Yeah, so, and it, it's it, I never really expected as many people as listen to this. I, I can't even phrase that. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect that many people to listen to this where it's like kind of the initial target is church guitarists <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and kind of saying, hey, we can think about theology right too, but right. at the same time, it's kind of morphed into literally anything connected to the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. it just happens to have that benefit of mm-hmm. there's some music to it. Too. <laughs> yep. That's right. That's, but you know, Brian, I already, already responded to your comment and told you to hit up our boy, Dwayne, uh, who runs the bar podcast. He actually lives like 10 minutes away from here. Mm-hmm, right. And, um, and that guy loves talking about podcasts and starting up podcasts and stuff like that. And he'll talk your ear off about it and he'll make all kinds of suggestions. And he's given me suggestions too. Yeah. So, yeah. um, so yeah, hit up hit up Dwayne, and if you're thinking about starting a podcast, just find Dwayne on Facebook or Instagram, and he'll he'll help you out. Um, shall we leave it there? I guess sounds good. Sweet. Follow us and comment on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. Make sure you leave a five star review. And as always, we don't care if it's honest. Just give us five stars. Uh, so you can support the show at anchor.fm where you can donate money and help this thing improve, help it keep going. Pledge to donate $10 a month for a year and get your choice of a Piper Drive version 2, Wickliffe Fuzz, or a Pink Treble Boost. God, i got to shorten this thing. Uh, make sure you email me with your shipping address when you do that. I don't know what we're going to leave you with. Uh, John might just chop it off like he's told me he's done that sometimes i don't listen to these i know you don't <laughs> I, I sometimes i do oh yeah sometimes I, I, at least part portions of well them. for i mean i don't like listening to myself in the first place yeah but but then like i was hard i was there i was part of that conversation part of that conversation um i have but, a few times not regular yeah 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 i need to go back and listen to the onkin ones anyway that's the show thanks for listening